When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. GEICO gets you access to licensed agents 24-7, which means that GEICO is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you. Like your mom, when you fill out really, really important paperwork on the first day of a new job. Name, check, birthday, social security, is that a thing? Hey, mom, what is my social security number? Mom, mom, mom. Okay, let's guess. Uh, zero, zero, one, seven. Oh, Gemini. Hashtag. Done. Geico. Always there for you with savings and 24-7 access to licensed agents. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on Sunday, October 6th. You are probably hearing us on Monday, October 7th. And it's been a little while since we spoke to all of you lovely listeners of the Cubs Related Podcast, probably since spring training, maybe, was the last time we only had one episode a week. So if you were desperately missing hearing Brendan and I's majestic voices, we, of course, apologize. But as we said last time, especially during the MLB playoffs, which, as you guys know, unfortunately, the Cubs are not a part of this time, we're probably going to do just one a week unless there is major activity within the Cubs sphere, because uh, as we always say, we don't want to have you guys download this episode, get set up to listen for us to be reaching for things to talk to, uh, and we you know, do two episodes a week pretty much most of the year, so I think this is pretty much the only period where we'll slow it down a little bit, but with the manager happenings and, and things like that, maybe it won't even be once a week that often. We'll, we'll see, and I think for this period, just part of the off season, uh, I think we're going to look at dropping the episodes on Tuesday mornings rather than Monday mornings. If that is totally disrupting your life, please let us know. Uh, as always, we're, we're open to feedback, but just from a personal standpoint, recording on Monday night is a little bit easier for Brendan and I. So as long as nobody objects, uh, speak now or forever hold your peace, we'll look for Tuesday morning drops 
going forward here. But again, that's all subject to change as the Cubs can start doing whatever they want, whenever they want, uh, save for signing and trading players, but they could drop news whenever they feel like. So perhaps we'll not all of this is moot and we'll be on whenever Theo Epstein decides to make us go on. But Brendan, that's a, a pretty good intro into what we're going to talk about here and what really has been the topic in in the Cubs world for the past week since we last spoke to you guys. So when we last spoke to you guys, obviously we said farewell to Joe Madden. We were getting ready for Theo Epstein's press conference and ready for a manager search. And that is where we find ourselves one week into officially for the Cubs, the offseason. Theo Epstein had his press conference. He spoke for about 80 minutes. I, I wouldn't say that any of it was anything revolutionary or stuff that you probably couldn't have predicted if you were sitting down to watch the whole thing, but we will talk about some of the important things that he touched on, some of the things that he seemed to hint at, and what we make of those 80 minutes of dialogue from our president, Theo Epstein, and then we will delve into the manager search a little bit. Again, uh, with the playoffs still going on, we can't really do much in the free agent market, can't really do anything in the trade market. So what we can do is find a new manager, and that may happen this week. Some interviews have already taken place, uh, some interviews scheduled for this week, and that is where we find ourselves. So, Brendan, I, I want to bring you in here, and I, I wanted to ask you just in a, in a general sense, we can, we can break down you know, everything that went on, nothing that went on, or, or specific things, but did anything jump out to you from Theo Epstein's press conference? Because I, I don't think, especially since it was a week ago by the time all of our listeners are hearing this, I don't think we need to run through all 80 minutes of it, but was there anything <laughs> in those 80 minutes that really drew your attention or, or things that maybe you were surprised to hear, I guess, in in a litany of things that you kind of expected to hear, right? He's disappointed. There needs to be changes. This wasn't good enough. It's not what our fans, yada, yada. We all knew he was going to say stuff like that. But anything really stand out for you in, in this press conference? I will say the the overall tone compared to last season was more uplifting, I think. And more, I think, away from that harsh crit- criticism tone that we that we heard from 2018. And I... I like that. I think that was needed because 2018, everything Theo said from that press conference carried over, Corey. And even Theo said that too. He's like, I don't want to have any more quote worthy press conferences, right? Like the urgency, a season of reckoning and so on. Theo didn't have any of those quotes. And even going back and trying to pull quotes from that press conference, they were difficult because not really one thing stood out, but the general tone, the general takeaway was what we already knew. But outside of that, I do think it's interesting that they are going to hire a director of hitting and a director of pitching, especially because teams like the Astros and the Dodgers, they're taking guys from their own system and enabling them to become everyday type players because of their pitching infrastructure, their hitting infrastructure. And by the way, you can get tickets to see the rest of the baseball playoffs, including those Dodgers games or those Astros games or whatever team you're closely following this postseason through SeatGeek with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee. SeatGeek proves there's a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has tickets you're looking for all in one place. 
they built the fastest way to find tickets. So you can stop searching for the perfect seat and just start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How is that for customer satisfaction? It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays these tickets on an easy-to-use interactive map. It breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have always used SeatGeek app on my phone. I used to buy them when the Cubs were in the playoffs. I bought them to go to the Dodgers series in years past. I continue to use SeatGeek. I bought football tickets. I bought Bears tickets in Los Angeles to the Rams game. I know that when I go on SeatGeek, I'm getting the absolute best deal possible. Plus, best of all, our listeners, you guys get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That is promo code CUBSRELATED. Yeah, I think those things certainly stood out. Obviously, those are changes. That that's something that the organization was not doing prior. So that's something to note. And and I I wanted to read. I'm looking at kind of the bulleted notes uh, from Brett Taylor at BleacherNation.com, and I think his first line in in this article, just kind of summing up the press conference, really kind of summed up my feelings. And and Brett says, "quote I liked it better when the annual after season presser from Theo Epstein was a hopeful or celebratory affair, but now it's something of a must-see post-mortem, end quote. And so I, I certainly wasn't looking forward to it, but after a season like that, you you are pretty invested in what is this guy going to say? What are the talking points going to be? And are we going to really learn anything? And and like we said, I, I, don't, I don't know that we did. We, we do hear him kind of we, something that I was hoping is like you said they're they're going to hire the director of hitting the director of pitching he talked about having already made some changes to the front office structure with the Jason McLeod move and kind of hinted that there might be some others there which if you guys have listened to this podcast you have heard me banging that drum for a little while now so it was good to hear that and you know cuz when we go into these things I've made fun of him Theo in the past for saying, well, we need to look in the mirror, not just at the players or the, the coaching staff, but as a front office. And then nothing really ever changes with the front office except for guys moving to lateral jobs, right? And so I'm hopeful that this time when he says this, that that's something that they follow through on. They need to make changes there. So that was at least good to hear him say. And other than that, I think it was, like you said, Brendan, stuff that we kind of expected. They're they're not happy with this. Uh, one thing that did stand out, and you can take any of this stuff as an indictment of Joe, as directed at Joe. It's sort of impossible to know, but the fact of the matter is that these things were stated and they might direct you to Joe. But one thing he did note in this press conference was specifically mentioning the sloppiness, the mental mistakes, the base running errors, the defensive errors, and he talked about how that is not going to be tolerated. It can't be tolerated. The level of leeway for stuff like that has to be zero. And again, like, is that directly at Joe Madden? You'd have to ask Theo Epstein. But that sounds like something that the manager controls. 
and that they're going to be looking for when they, you know, continue with this process of interviewing managers that leading the league in outs on the bases, like we talked about in our explicit episode, things like that. We can't be talking about stuff like that come the end of 2020. That cannot be the Chicago Cubs. That can't be their identity. And that can't be stuff that's still going on. So it was interesting to hear him say that because it did seem, Brendan, and and I don't know if you kind of read this the same way, he was very careful about what he said (laughs) they were looking for in a new manager. And he was very careful in saying things that you might be able to direct back to Joe. That's why I said that about the sloppy stuff, because it's not like he said, our coaching staff needs to do this, right? But that's where you might find those changes. So I, I, I did think it was interesting maybe i'm not i'm not sure the word but he definitely was making a pointed effort to step very cautiously with what he was saying and how people could read into either the meaning for joe or the meaning for whoever they're going to be looking for in this manager process there was a little bit of a, like a slip there in terms of what was absent from joe madden's managerial style in 2019 and this was the one quote that, that stuck out most for me. And he said, quote, We want to have a culture where when a player steps in here midseason, he's not providing the energy. There's already energy, end quote. Corey, yeah. who is he talking about? Castellanos, uh, right? Exactly. Yeah. So when Castellanos... You didn't think that was about Derek Holland? <laughs> yeah, no. But when Castellanos came in, there was literally a quote about how He's reminding players what it's like to win, what it's like right. to want to win. And so Theo went on to say in his press conference, quote, when a player steps in here midseason, he's uplifted by the culture. He looks around and says, wow, every single one of these players is getting the absolute most of his ability. He's putting in incredible hours and making sacrifices and making great decisions to be the best version of himself as a player. Now, that's what I'm expected to do as a Cub, end quote. So that's that was like kind of a direct admission that the culture that Joe Madden has brought over the last year or two years. It's been good, but has not been optimized in a way where you're taking these 23, 24, 25-year-olds and then getting the best out of them, where you're implementing all this new tech, implementing that philosophy that's been kind of pioneered by companies like Driveline Baseball and the Houston Astros and the Minnesota Twins and the New York Yankees. And you're getting guys who were mid-tier prospects and you're turning them into MVP candidates. Cubs have not done that, right? So that's what I think uh, Theo Epstein was talking about, where in 2015-2016, Joe's culture was one defined by not having the fear of failure. That was extremely beneficial for this group. But now they have failed, and they failed because they were not able to adapt to the scouting reports, not able to adapt to Major League Baseball evolving within three years. Now it's time for a change. And so that next guy who comes in is going to be task, Corey. Now we're just managing the bullpen. Like it's very easy to take note of Joe's managerial decisions and that being one of the reasons why he was gone. That's that's not the reason why he's not going to be the manager. The next guy in is going to have to make an environment where you're identifying right. 
the best coaches, identifying the best communicators, identifying what each individual prospect, each individual player needs at his level and getting the best out of them. Joe may have been a little bit outdated for this group and their evolution as players. And we're going to see that. We're going to see the next guy come in and try to institute that culture that Theo is defining, where one, as he says, is already providing energy and the tools and the resources for the guys to come in and get the most out of themselves. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting over the years. I'm not sure if we'll ever really get like a breakdown of this or really be able to put our finger on it, but it'll be interesting to figure out where this happened, right? Brendan, because yeah. I think like, you know, you watch this team in 2015, you read uh, the books that were put out after they the Cubs win the World Series in 2016, like the, the Tom Verducci book that goes into just extensive detail about Joe and the front office and things like that. And when you you hear this stuff and 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 a lot of this stuff when when you're talking about it is is not quantifiable necessarily. And it but it but it is something that I think we all observed right? Like it, it did feel like Castellanos came over and was providing the energy for this team. And, you know, that's one of those things where you ask like, where, where did this happen? Where did this change come that this group that was so successful and so hungry and, and so just dominant in some of those playoff runs, like where, where did we shift to that they need to be lifted up by someone coming from the Detroit Tigers and, and wanting to win this much? And, you know, where did Joe Madden's message or his clubhouse or however you want to phrase that, when did it start to kind of tilt this other direction? I would just be curious, like what their diagnosis, either Joe or Theo's would be on that particular topic. And, and, and just like, it's, it's easy easy to confuse a lack of energy with a lack of efforts. And I, I yeah, no, I'm not saying I, I know you're not saying that, but I know a lot of people are assuming like one reason why Joe Girardi's name is coming up is because he has that militaristic New York Yankee mindset where you're going to come in and everyone is going to be on a very stringent type disciplinary schedule. And I don't think that's what Theo's alluding to. I think what Theo's alluding to is how do we get an environment where it's not just Joe, it's it's everyone involved on the same message? And I think what Joe did well was promote individualism, but there's a degree to which that stops being beneficial. Like when Javi comes into his own as at his as as his best, what more can you do to bring out the individual? Now you need to tailor some of those traits need to decrease the strikeout rate, increase the discipline, and take these guys to the next step. So I think Joe, in like a phase type approach, like he successfully in phase one, got them to that next level, found the guys to do that. Phase two now is taking that individual like skill set, those traits, and then maximizing that even more. And I don't think Joe was able to do that for whatever reason. Now, does that mean because there needs to be more energy? I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think what really is being alluded to here is how do you get guys working on the same page? And that was another central identity to Theo's press conference where he called out, you know, a lot of guys have their own individual routines, but there was a team-centric 
lack of focus, where there is fewer team activities involved, where guys would show up, they have their individual routines, they get ready for the games, they go out there, and most of the time they perform well. But now Theo is saying, okay, maybe that's not the right way to go about this. Maybe we need more team drills, more team activities. Teams need to stretch more. And I was reminded to Corey, before this 2019 season, Joe Madden said one way they wanted to improve that team-centric focus was having everyone out there during the National Anthem. It's a simple reminder, like, hey, National Anthem, everyone has a team, let's go out there. And I I, I couldn't tell because I'm not at the games, but I feel like that was apparent. And so I, I, I get what Joe did and did not do well. I get what Theo saying, but I don't even know if, like, energy was the right word. I just think, like, you need to get these guys past phase two. Joe got them passed through phase one. Now you need to, you know, some new voices, some new coaches to get in there and get the best out of these guys. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome find great offers and value today from xfinity go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more restrictions apply keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with xfinity internet you'll get the best in-home wi-fi experience with reliable speed and coverage now that's simple easy awesome go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more restrictions apply so I think with that, we can really turn to the manager discussion because that has, as we've said, begun in earnest. Mark Loretta, who was the Cubs bench coach for Joe Madden in 2019, has already interviewed. He interviewed on October the 3rd. Joe Girardi, David Ross, and Will Venable are all scheduled for interviews this week. So this process is underway. Uh, I, I believe that you know there are coaches still in the playoffs. Uh, I, I think Joe Espada's name with the Astros has come up. We've heard that the Cubs want to talk to someone on, on a playoff staff, and there may be some other names that are out there that we're not sure of, but these are the interviews that are scheduled, so to speak, uh, to go on with Theo Epstein this week. So of those names, any anything stand out to you with those names? And I, I suppose we can talk about those four candidates, since those are the specific names that we know, their merits, and, and what you would think if any of those guys are the hire for the Chicago Cubs and their new manager. Yeah, I, I, I do like Loretta's name. I know it's not a popular one right now, but the main reason why I like Loretta is because he has that front office background. He spent nine years, Corey, in San Diego's front office, some of which were from Jed, from Jed Hoyer's years as well. And he played for Theo Epstein back in Boston in 2006, a year after he came back from cancer, actually, and got 700 plate appearances the very next year he came back from a malignant melanoma. So Loretta has a history of what I think to be collaboration with this front office. Now, some people might say, well, I want to get a new voice in. I don't want someone who's been entrenched in what's gone wrong and Theo and Jed's past. I I, I get that. But I do like and I do respect that he has experience under Joe Madden. Joe, he is a good manager, man, and he's going to get paid like he is a good manager. There are traits of Joe that should indeed carry on to the next team. 
Well, Loretta just needs to put in his own mix. So I like the history with the front office. I like the history with Jed and Theo in particular. And I like that he actually was with Joe Madden for a baseball season. Now, he was interviewed, uh, Loretta, on 670 The Score following his actual interview with the Cubs. And there were several quotes, Corey, several quotes, which I interpreted to be the main central points to his actual interview with the Cubs. And he said, quote, I don't think it's an edge or concentration issue. I think we should look at how we practice, check what our game plan was, and things like that. We maybe need to make adjustments in those areas. I think coaching in this day and age is a lot like parenting. I think kids and millennials need a certain amount of structure. They need a schedule. They are used to that. Driven around here, travel ball games, showcase events over here, all this stuff. They crave a schedule, end quote. That was extremely telling to me, and one where I think is what Theo was alluding to, where you had a team in 2019 and before having individual schedules, not one where everyone knows, hey, at 10 a.m., you got to be in the field, we're going to be doing stretching. like Stuff like that that you see in spring training may not have been carried over in their regular season. So on one end, Loretta recognizes what went right. And it wasn't like an edge or concentration issue, as he said, as we're saying too. It was more in Loretta's point of view that they need more structure, more team-centric activities, more team-centric game planning. Maybe that improves the defense, improves the base running, because now you're on the same page with your coaches, with your teammates, etc. I liked hearing that from Loretta, and I do think among all the candidates we're going to hear, we should pay due respect to his name. He is an interesting, viable candidate, Corey. Yeah, so I, I think Loretta's an interesting candidate, Brendan. I, I will say, admittedly, and look, I know he was a first-year coach and the bench coach. I, th- there's something about like a guy who was on the coaching staff, now interviewing for the job, talking about how the team maybe needed more accountability and things like that. There's part of that that, that is always going to rub me the wrong way right? Because I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, well, Mark, you were on the coaching staff. He was the bench coach, Corey, though. No, look, I understand. I'm not saying he's a first-year coach. He's the bench coach. I'm just saying it's an interesting thing to hear. Like, it's like, Mark, you were in the dugout, dude. Like, maybe bring this up not after, you know, a week after the Cubs are eliminated from the playoffs, like I, and maybe he did bring it up. I'm just saying there, there's, there's part of that, that immediately I'm going to be like, okay, well, you're not an outside candidate, dude. Like you were in this coaching staff, you, you were with these players. Like it would have been nice to not miss the playoffs yeah, before we hear point. about this that's stuff. But again, maybe there's nothing he could do. And, you know, maybe he's looking at it like, what am I going to question Joe Madden? Like, of course not. You know, so I get it. I'm just saying there's part of it where I'm like, okay, well, you were the bench coach, dude. Like, could you not have provided any of that or a suggestion of that? Anyway, I do think he's uh, an, an, an interesting option. And I would not be upset if he was ultimately the guy. I think that, you know, again, he's one of those coaches who has a really good reputation uh, amongst his peers, amongst people that he played with, and and people that he's interacted with around the game of having, uh, you know, a, a good mindset, a good coaching philosophy, a good way of interacting with people. So that's always good. 
And I, I think, like you said, that there is something too. Like he knows these guys, but he's not as deeply entrenched in this system. He hasn't been with the Cubs for years and years. And, you know, you could look at 2019 as being a, a taste of what goes on in this organization, a little bit of a diagnostic for him. And then if you gave him the keys, he'd have a better understanding of what he was coming into, what he was changing, what he wasn't changing, things like that. I, the the other thing, though, that does, that I will put in like the cautious side is a lot of what he said in that radio hit sounds like what I would say if I was trying to get Theo Epstein to hire me, right? But wouldn't you want someone to say that? Like you're trying to get that job. Of well, course you're going I, to say I, that. I, of course. I guess all I'm saying is, is I, this is one of those where like, we, we, we're not in the clubhouse. We don't know these things. So I'm going to have to defer to them. But from an outsider, there's part of it where I go, I'm not going to get that excited when the guy says exactly what Theo just said on Monday, right? Like, we need more accountability. This stuff has to stop. This stuff has to stop. You know, when you hear a candidate say those same things, it's like, okay, like, yeah. do I think he's a good candidate or is he just echoing exactly what Theo wants to hear? I don't know. And more so, importantly, can, can he actually can he do implement that? Right. Yeah. So just repeating what Theo said is not in it of itself something where I go, ooh, great. Like, he also believes they need accountability, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, the president just said that. Like, that's what's going to happen. But so, don't you think, like, that's where their front office experience comes in, though? And that's why I value that, because now yeah, in this day yeah. and age, you look at A.J. Hinge, and he's able to collaborate with the front office and take their data, take their new tech, and make an environment where now guys can learn from that. So I, I hear you out, right? Like, there's no examples of how... Like Loretta can actually do this. The only example of his ability is, I think, that experience in the front office because that parallels what AJ Hinch did and did successfully for Houston. So I, I'm, I'm with you. And it, this is like the tricky part about having these discussions, Corey. Is when we talk about first year rookie managers, what on earth do we have as a reference? Like, how do we know? any of these guys are able to implement what Theo wants. Like you said, you can go on 670 to score. You can interview. You can say everything exactly how Theo just said it and make it sound so good. And I hear that. But what actually, what's an example of your ability to do that? And for me, Loretta is that front office background. It's that year in Joe Madden's off in his, yeah. in his coaching staff. Those are the two examples. I, for the other guys with Will Venable, with uh, David Ross, we don't have those types of examples. And maybe that's why I'm not as stoked about those two guys. I know, like, look, David Ross, of course, David Ross, right? But we're talking about confidence in implementing something right away, having no uncertainty whatsoever that you can, in fact, get these guys to the next level. And I think I love David Ross. I love Will Venable. But do they have examples of that of what a manager should do? I, I I don't know. I think Ross, the veteran experience, Venable being around the guys for a while. He was in San Diego when Jed Hoyer was there as well. But I just look at the body of work and I, I value front office experience in one year of being a bench coach over that of what Will Venable and David Ross brings. But when they go in their interviews, maybe... Stuff comes out and we'll learn about it, which makes them better candidates. But right now, I just don't see it. 
Yeah, I think Loretta's an intriguing candidate for all the reasons that you've listed and what we've heard about him. So I, I like I said, it, there, there's always going to be an element of this decision where I think we're left wondering, should we have gotten rid of Joe Madden for whoever they end up hiring? And that'll depend on who they hire, and you know maybe that opinion will change by the day. Yeah, but. I do think Loretta is a good candidate, and I think even though he may not be exciting per se, I you know what you would define that as, I'm not really sure, but I don't think anyone is defining Mark Loretta as an exciting hire. I, I do think he would be a good hire and one that we can trust. I think would work well with the front office. He, he's He's been in these situations before, and I think that part of what the front office might be looking for in particular is not a yes man, but but someone that they feel they have a little more influence on. And, and I think one thing that we all know about Joe Madden is that he's a rare breed. He's, he's a very smart guy, and he likes to do things his way. And as we've discussed relentlessly for a, a while, that was a very good thing. But I, I think with where this team is right now, I think that Theo and his group, especially, you know, starting to maybe feel some pressure on their own end, right, in the front office to get things done. I I think having a manager that they really feel they are in sync with when they have ideas and processes that they want implemented, I I think Loretta would be more of the guy to just do it, right, and not necessarily be in his own thing, especially because this would be his his first shot at this. So I, I do think he's an interesting candidate. Uh, if we want to switch to Ross, just because you brought it up, the, the key with David Ross is that there's so there's an unknown, right? He, he has never been a, a coach at the major league level. He has never been a manager at the major league level. So we don't know what that is going to look like. And there are a lot of examples of guys who have been hired throughout the league who have done that and who have had success with it, who have failed with it. So you can kind of pick and choose how, how you feel about that. But that's the key with Ross is that it's the, the the biggest hiccup that I see when these conversations come up is people wondering, can he manage a team that he was just a part of a couple years ago and with a bunch of guys that he is really close friends with. I mean, if you look on like his or Anthony Rizzo's Instagram story throughout the last five off seasons, they play golf together five times in off season. I mean, they're together all the time. Dexter Fowler's there, things like that. So that's the key question is can he step into that relationship and be the manager not with no coaching friend, experience too not even no coaching as experience. like right. a sub level you know minor league guy zero coaching experience Corey. right so that is going to be the key question to answer here and one that we don't have an answer to that's going to be something where i i would think that if ross is the guy that they want if ross is leading this interview period and and they are getting closer to doing that they'll talk to Anthony Rizzo they'll talk to John Lester they'll talk to those guys and and I I think that they'll shoot them straight as to whether they think that relationship would work and and whether it would not would not uh but it's it's not really something that that we can know the one thing that I keep pointing out to people and that I want you to remember in this process and I I don't have a dog in this race I'm not really rooting for anybody in particular I think I mentioned on the last episode I like certain 
candidates, a guy like Carlos Beltran, I find more interesting than others. To me, like I was saying before, that would be an exciting hire. One thing that I want people to remember when we're talking about Ross uh, is John Lester and David Ross always talked about how in that relationship, even though it might not seem that way, the person who gave the other one the business right, when it was necessary and got in the other one's face and told him to man up or whatever they needed to hear, right, was David Ross, not John Lester. David Ross was the one yelling at John Lester, getting in John Lester's face, telling him he was messing around or not doing his job, things like that. And Rizzo as well. Rizzo has a story like that as well, saying one day he was not running out. Ross got in Rizzo's face. Right. And, And David Ross is that guy who, if you messed up, if you did something in the field that you shouldn't have, if you were lazy, something like that, you didn't want to run into David Ross because David Ross was going to let you hear about it. So that doesn't mean that he can be a successful manager. It just means that he does have a reputation of being about doing the job, winning and doing the job right. And these guys were friends when they were on the same team together, and David Ross didn't have a problem with holding people accountable and and, and telling them, this is what needs to happen, this is what you need to do, this isn't accepted, this isn't tolerated, things like that. So there is some proof of concept that exists in the world, right, that David Ross is not just the fun-loving Grandpa Rossi that we saw in, in 2016 get carried off on everybody's shoulders. Like, there's a reason that he garnered the reputation that he did, and it's because he's a, a professional's professional, so to speak. So I, I, I would just keep that in mind. He he has the ability and the um, courage, let's put it that way, to <laughs> tell John Lester like what he needs to hear in key moments. And I think if you watch John Lester pitch and how scared you feel when Joe Madden comes to take him out in like the fifth inning, you should remember that David Ross is not scared of that. So I think that that does speak volumes for David Ross. But I believe he could do it. In my gut opinion and just everything that we've read and everything that we've seen, I don't think that his friendships or his relationship with this team would be an issue. I think it would end up being a strength. I think he knows this team very well. I think he knows this organization very well. And if I had to venture a guess, I would say he could come in there right now and diagnose some things that he doesn't like and things that have changed since he and guys like John Lackey were in that clubhouse, you know, with John Lester and, and those other guys. And I think that those things would be a strength for him, not a weakness. But I do understand people's trepidation when they're like, you know, I don't know. Like, I see him palling around with these guys. Like, can he turn around and, you know, bench one of them if they dog a home run or, you know, something along those lines? So I, for one, think so. Is is he my top candidate? I, I don't know. I, my, my position on this is... Uh, ABG, right? Anyone but Girardi. That that's pretty much my standpoint here. Like they could hire basically anybody, and if it's not Joe Girardi, I'll be like, great, let's do it. Whatever. Um, yeah. So finishing on Ross, I, I think he's a good candidate. I, I think he can do it, and I'm not really worried about the stuff that is out there. I am worried that he's never done this before, and you know, you'd kind of be taking a little bit of a gamble. As, as it relates to Girardi, um, if he is who they hire, then I am going to hope that he has learned 
from why he hasn't had a job in a few years. And I'm going to hope that Theo knows why he was fired from the Yankees and why that relationship didn't work. And they have reason to believe that that's not going to happen again. Um, But like, I think that there's, you know, sometimes when we get on certain people, like when we dog Daniel Descalso or we dog Albert Almora or whoever it is in in the various season, I, I think sometimes, you know, you 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 worry that there's this impression that, I, that we're like rooting for them to fail, which of course we're not, right? Like I'm not rooting for any of these guys to fail. I wouldn't be rooting for Joe Girardi to fail what? So I can come on here and go, ha ha, I told you so. I'm glad the Cubs suck. Like, does that sound like me? Like, of course not right? Like, I want the Cubs to win. I say this all the time. Like, no dogs in any of these races. I just want the Cubs to win. That's the dog in the race that I have, right? The race is the MLB. My dog is the Cubs. That's it. I don't care who's succeeding on an individual level, except for John Lester. But, like, it's all just about the Cubs. So if they hire Joe Girardi, I am going to think it was a mistake when it when it happens. I'm going to think that it is a dangerous risk that can go very poorly. But I will be there the whole time rooting for him, hoping it goes well, and, you know, doing the same thing I always do, showing up at Wrigley Field and, and hoping that the, the boys are bringing home Ws, right? So... I just don't think it's a good idea, and we've done this before. I've talked about this multiple times, uh, but I just don't think that someone who was let go from the Yankees for the reasons that he was let go is someone the Cubs should be looking at, and if we're concerned about having a hard-nosed, like, old-school, Mr. Accountable, like you said, Brendan, like, military-style rigidity, things like that— you can find that in people that aren't Joe Girardi, right? Like, it doesn't have to be Joe Girardi if we're looking for someone to come in and crack the whip. There can be other people that can do that that didn't get fired from the Yankees for the reasons that Joe Girardi did. And again, you can read any article that you want. And I was not in the clubhouse all the time, but there were about 12 people in the Bronx working in the New York Yankees front office when I was there. I saw what I saw right? I was only an intern. So again, I always say this isn't some like humble brag situation, but I saw this with my own two eyes. This isn't something I read. This isn't something, you know, that sources told me, right? Or or something like that. I saw all the time the research and development guys who were some of the smartest people I have ever been around. They could probably be building rocket ships for NASA if they wanted to, but they want to work in baseball. And I saw them routinely have to go down to the Yankees clubhouse to talk to Joe because he wasn't listening to them. They would spend all this time on things like shifting and this and that and all these other research things that Cashman and Billy Epler wanted them to look at, and Joe Girardi would just ignore them. And they had to go down all the time and explain to him why they wanted him to do it, why it was so important, why it was so important that he followed through on it, right? So if we say we want to do this concept 10 times, don't do it four times, don't do it six times, do it all 10 times or it doesn't work, right? And this happened all the time. There were clubhouse problems. There were problems with the younger players and getting everybody on the same page and and being able to let them grow and things like that. For the life of me, Brendan, I get it. I know he's a Chicago guy. I know he played with the Cubs. I, I get it. 
to a degree. But from a managerial perspective, I have no idea why anybody wants him to be the manager of the Chicago Cubs. Because if you want someone to crack the whip and hold people accountable, in what universe is Joe Girardi the only person that can do that? You can tell Mark Loretta, he's never been a manager before. You tell him, we're going to hire you, but you need to be on these guys or we're not giving you this job. We're not hiring someone to be fun-loving and be their friend. We need you to be on them. And Mark Loretta says, you got it, right? I can do that. Like, it's not that difficult. It just isn't Joe Madden's style. That's why Joe doesn't do it, and that's why Theo Epstein wouldn't say, we'll keep you, but you need to turn into a completely different person. That's just not who he is, right? But some of these other guys can be that person. So I could go on about this for a while, but but the, the synopsis of my thing with Girardi is that when you read stuff about why he was let go, it, it's not made up. It's really what happened. He, he did have problems with the front office. I saw it with my own two eyes. I heard it with my ears. That happened. He did have problems with some of the younger players, with guys like Gary Sanchez, etc., and getting the clubhouse together. That really happened. It's not conjecture. It's not PR put out by Cashman and his team. This stuff happened, and I don't want it happening with the Cubs. Now, I will say, again, if he is the guy, it's been a few years. He may have learned what went wrong, what he needs to do differently. Nah, screw People can that, change. Dude. Screw that. Well, but, but I'm, I'm just saying, that's a risk, and you'd have to be asking yourself, do you want to take the risk that he's a different person and that things are going to go differently? My answer is a definitive no. Yeah. Definitive. I mean, just hearing but, you say that, like, why? Here's, here's the thing. We have, like, a two- to three-year win window that's locked in right now with Rizzo's contract, with Baez's contract, KB, et cetera, right? Like, you cannot risk this whatsoever. So there is even an instance, Corey, of these like of Madden or rather Girardi not being able to communicate with his young guys like Gary Sanchez or not being able to work with the R&D guys or with Cashman. Like, I don't care that you just had two years off, man. Like, yeah, you get two years yeah, off. You can neither reflect. do I. Yeah, like you can reflect on that. But when push comes to shove in that moment, are you going to actually do it? Are you going to say what you said you learned from the past two years? I, for for me, like you don't get a second chance on on doing this with this team. Like maybe well, and also to yeah. me, just to jump in there, the thing that I worry about most with Girardi is that feels like the type of thing that could also send this whole thing spiraling further in the wrong direction. Right. Right. It's like you gave so up Madden you had for it. Girardi. Like that could easily happen. You know. Right. And, and, and so you, you had a bad season. You, you didn't make the playoffs. You didn't win 90 games. Like the, you're going the wrong direction, right? As, as a franchise, the trajectory is now pointed in the wrong direction. You bring in a new, a new manager that's getting on these guys. That is a totally different style who has had communication problems with the front office before. That's how you can really send things into a complete downward spiral. Like all of a sudden we're hearing there's tension in the clubhouse. The players don't like him. Theo's not getting along with it. And maybe that wouldn't happen, but it it's, it's happened before with, with this particular manager. And that's how you take things where you're trying to you know, flip things around and get that arrow pointed back in the positive direction, this to me feels like the the choice that has the highest risk yeah. of sending it plummeting in the other direction. And also to, to add to that too, Corey, like I don't, and this is one of the instances where I think other guys like David Ross and Will Venable and Mark Loretta, where they have the advantage, Girardi's been 
in a press box calling baseball games for two years, Corey. Two years. He's been out of organized baseball. I get that you're watching the games. I get it. But within these last two to three years, the game has rapidly changed, dude. Rapidly changed to the point where a startup company called Driveline, their president and founder is being hired by the Cincinnati Reds, Kyle Bodie, to be the pitching coordinator to take control of a major league franchise. You're looking at an era where FIP and ERA has gone up by half a point in less than two years. Like This is a completely different style of baseball. And so we can we can always look at those instances with Joe Girardi not being able to communicate well. But among all those, one of the biggest disadvantages to me is that he's not been in baseball. He's not seen this. Venable has been with the Cubs. He's seen things change. He's been in Mesa. He's seen that pitch lab. Mark Loretta has been working with these guys. Same thing with David Ross. He's been a front office assistant, even though he's been calling games too. He's been with the Cubs in spring training. He's been with the Cubs in scouting. He scouted Craig Kimbrell. He's been with the team. Girardi's been on Fox Sports, dude. The game has changed in two years. It's changed in three years to the point where Joe Mann is no longer the manager of this team. That's the biggest issue for me. You got to have someone who has the eyes, who sees what is going on, what is changing. You take those changes, you implement them into your own team, you amplify the hell out of that. That's what I want from a manager. For Joe Girardi, he he doesn't have that. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into a knee pain. I couldn't even sit on the motorcycle. I was like, oh man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement. So I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. (laughs) Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101, East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Yeah, I, I look, I, I feel pretty strongly about this. I feel pretty strongly that this is the wrong choice. Uh, I, I could go on about it for a bit, but I, I, I think I summed it up pretty clearly. If, if they're looking for a guy who has had issues listening to the front office, communicating with the front office, following through on what the front office wants to do, problems with young players and, and getting a clubhouse together— and, you know, if that's their guy, then so I'm going to support them. And I'm going to hope that he's a different guy and that he's learned and that whatever they talked about, Theo has come to the conclusion that this is the right move. But I believe it is not. So that's a, a pretty definitive stance that I have. I realize that. But uh, it's it's tough, man. Like, again, like when you see this stuff with your own eyes, it's, it's tough to turn around and, and expect that there would be a different result. Like, I, I have such respect for some of those analysts that are, are still with the New York Yankees. And they're just incredibly smart and talented people. And when you have someone who's just going into business for themselves and just ignoring them, it's 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 frightening to consider that that person might be put in charge of your favorite team because I'm looking around going, well, okay, well, that seems bad, right? Like, <laughs> you know, so I, it's, it's something I feel strongly about. But again, like, I'm not going to root for him to fail. If he's the guy, he's the guy. And we're, we're going to have to get on board and trust Theo. So that's yeah. what it is. Um, 
As far as other candidates, you know, Will Venable, like, whatever. I I think it's fine. You know, again, like, someone without the experience, um, so you'd be taking a bit of a risk. I, I, you know, that's, I I think, definitely falls in the unexciting department. But, um, you know, again, like, if he has good conversations and good relationships with these players from being around them, I'll I'll get on board with that. Going to, I know you asked about Beltran, and I have not heard his name in the Cubs discussion. This might not be something that's even entertained. I'm not sure where Carlos is in his uh, quest to be a manager, or you know, even if this is something that's feasible. But he and and Raul Ibanez is actually another one like this, where their their reputation just sort of glows off of the page when you read about it and you hear people speak about it. There was a really good article, I think it was in Sports Illustrated, that I sent you, Brendan, about people from the Astros and the Yankees talking about the impact that Carlos Beltran had when he was uh, part of the Yankees front office and then in that last season that he spent with the Astros and just how much of a coach he was to some of those players. I know Carlos Correa was in this article talking about how he hit like 20 home runs in a year and he could specifically identify seven of them that were because of Carlos Beltran's insight and work. And one thing that Correa mentioned Beltran did really well was taking the information, the analytics, and and that kind of data that was coming from the front office and translating it into a way that was usable and understandable to the different players. It kind of reminded me about how Tommy Hadovy talked about how he took that information and gave it to John Lester, right? Because we know that John Lester is not a numbers person. He doesn't want to hear about all this stuff. But if you can explain the concept that the numbers are conveying to him, of course he'll listen. He just, you know, it, it just doesn't really resonate with him in that other way. And this is kind of what it sounded like with Carlos Beltran, that he had a real way of conveying these things in different ways to different people. He's bilingual, and you you just read this stuff uh, about Carlos Beltran from those two organizations. And when you hear A.J. Hinch and Brian Cashman and these guys talking about how much of an influence he played and how smart he was and how respectable he is, it, it, it speaks volumes. And you're like, man, like this guy sounds pretty interesting here. So he's someone who I think would be really exciting. I think it would be um, a, a bit of an outside-the-box hire, right? Like he hasn't been in this organization. He hasn't been a, a major league manager. But I, I do think that that would be an interesting one. Um, but again, ABG, baby, anybody but Girardi. Like, Theo, you can hire whoever you want, man, but there's only one of these where I'm going to chain myself to the gates at Wrigley Field. <laughs> uh, so that's that's kind of my opinion on all of this. If I had to guess, I, 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 I get the sense that David Ross is going to get this job. And, and maybe I'm wrong in that, but that's just how it feels to me. What's the biggest reason why? Like what stands out that gives you that confidence? I, I, I feel like, you know, I know Theo mentioned wanting somebody that had that particular experience. Maybe that was just a red herring to throw us off the scent, I suppose. I I don't know, but I, I just feel like Ross has been building to this. The opportunity is there. And again, like I do think that his relationship with this team is a strength. I, I think he could come in and do a good job. And I, there, I mean, it's kind of just a feel thing. Like when I read all this, when I see all this, I, I just, if I was predicting what was going to happen, I would say it would be David Ross. Uh, but it's not necessarily based on anything specific or, or that I'm like super confident in. That's just kind of the way that I'm leaning to where this goes. 
among all the candidates like you, ABG, anyone but Girardi. But I think one guy in addition to Loretta and, and David Ross and Will Venable and Beltran and Ibanez, if they decide to interview those two guys, is Joe Espada. And right now, he's right. the uh, Astros bench coach. And when we look at what each managerial candidate brings to the table, right, you look for ability to communicate. You look for a history of front office experience. You look for a history of being a coach, maybe at multiple levels. And anything in addition to that might be kind of a bonus. For Espada, he brings together, I think, every trait that you want, at least on paper, right? Of course, we never have talked to these guys or seen them in action, but just on paper, what Espada brings is impressive. One, he is the bench coach for AJ Hinch, one of the most innovative franchises of this decade. Two, he has an upbringing that parallels that of Joe Madden. This is what I mean by that. In 2006, he was a class A coach, and he was so for the next two years. Then, from 2008 to 2010, he was the Marlins minor league infield coordinator. The very next year in 2010, he was hired to be the Marlins third base coach. At the same time, he was serving as the Puerto Rican national baseball team manager, okay? And he's been with, guess what, Joe Girardi in 2015 as the Yankees uh, infield coach and third base coach. So he has his history, and he speaks multiple languages. He's coached Javi Baez in particular, and he's been around so many different informative baseball minds. And he's able, I think, to communicate everything from you know, infield defense. He was an infield coordinator for so many years, and that was one of the areas Theo wants to improve at. I I like it. And not only that, within these last two years, having that experience with A.J. Hinch, but also, Corey, having that experience with Joe Girardi. It's not as if Joe Girardi, everything about him is bad. I'm sure he has some appealing traits, which is why he got the interview. Espada probably recognizes that. So you have this guy who's been around so many people. And to me, on paper, he's the best candidate, dude. I, I, I truthfully believe that. Well, you'd want him to to bring, a, hey, you know, Joe, bring over a little of that Houston magic here. <laughs> like, whatever you guys got going right. on with those pitchers, and, like, bring, bring me some of that And we say that in jest. We say that no, in jest. No, I don't jest, say it in like, jest at all. I'm yeah. being dead serious. Yeah, I'm, I'm being dead serious, too. So I think... He has, from a checkpoint perspective, he has everything. What he doesn't have is the established player connections for an aging core that's had success, like David Ross, Will Venable, and Mark Loretta has. So you see all these contrasts, but I think once Houston does leave the playoffs, whether they win it or whether they lose, he will get that interview. So this is going to be a lengthy process, one that we're not going to hear about uh, it's ending probably maybe the middle of November, if I had to imagine, once the World Series does end. But there are some good candidates, dude. I, I really believe that. Whether it is David Ross or Loretta or Ibanez or Espada or whomever, right? I do think that whoever gets that job, there will be a sense of excitement from fans because I think they will recognize what this current group needs 
And we're going to see that on display right when February starts. The moment that first guy reports to spring training, we're going to hear about all the different culture changes. And I don't think it's going to be a drastic change as many imagine. I think it's just going to be one that's a little bit different, but more team-oriented. And you take pieces of what worked with Madden, and then you just change that around, and you get a better mix of, I think, everything that this team needs right now. Yeah, I think that's a good summary of things. So if, you know, hopefully, you know, maybe you guys have a favorite candidate here. If it is Joe Girardi, we'll we'll speak offline. You can, you know, message me directly and I will, I promise you, do my best to talk you out of it. Uh, I've got the time. Uh, But other than that, we'll keep up on this. These interviews are going to go on starting uh, again. They've they've already started, but they'll they'll continue again this week, and we will hop back on if the Cubs have decided that they have their guy uh, pretty early in this process. But other than that, that is really what I would say you should be keeping an eye on. Uh, as always, you don't have to root for the teams that they are playing, but it is always nice to see the St. Louis Cardinals lose as they now trail their series with the Braves two to one. So that is a pleasant turn of events for the weekend. As always, uh, Brendan and I are rooting for whoever is playing the Los Angeles Dodgers, unless it's the Cardinals. I don't know what we'll do in that scenario. We'll have to put our heads together about that. But uh We'll, we'll keep you updated. So uh, again, I, I think uh, we will come back to you uh, on next Tuesday. Uh, so we'll, we'll probably stick to once a week while these playoffs are going on. Of course, as I said, unless the Cubs do something and, and give us something to talk about. And maybe we'll have some ideas for, you know, f- loose, fun episodes perhaps, and we'll, we'll do two episodes a week. As always, keep it with our social media. I'm at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. Brendan is at Cubs Related. We will let you know if there is any emergency news with the podcast. And as always, please let us know. Like if you are dying without those that midweek episode, if you hate us posting on Tuesday, things like that. Let us know, and we'll we'll do our best to to work with that information. But uh, again, we we mean it sincerely. Like we we don't want to ask you guys to sit down to listen to this if it's just going to be us making stuff up to talk about and rambling for an hour. It's it's not a, a good use of your guys' time, and we want to make sure that when you guys are downloading the Cubs related podcast, you're settling in for a quality episode and quality discussion. You may think that none of these are quality episodes, and in that case. I, you know, sorry, but, uh, that's our goal. So we don't want to do that if if we don't actually have things to talk about. And I think when the Cubs aren't in the playoffs and before they can really do anything, that's pretty much the only period that we will do that. So stick with us. We'll keep you up to date on the schedule. And regardless of the schedule, we very much appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully uh, there's, there's still part of you that wants to hear about the Cubs, even as we watch these other teams in the playoffs. Uh, but we appreciate you guys listening. We will talk to you again soon. And whether we are hate-watching the Dodgers, Cardinals, or whichever team else you hate in these playoffs, or watching our own team and hoping that they succeed, we will always end this podcast by saying, Go Cubs! Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. 
Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.